Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17. While you're turning there, um, <clears throat> I, uh, I'm thankful that I grew up in a home uh, without a television. And um, I can remember at times it was feeling some of the, the peer pressure at school uh, because Mark and I both grew up without seeing, hearing, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, but because of that, we became readers. And uh, I read before I graduated from high school. Um, Lou Lemoore's written right at 90 Westerns. I'd read at least 85 of them. And uh, this morning, Brother Patterson starting off in the lesson, um, talking about the Holocaust. I'm going to just kind of suggest some books for you. Um, if you've never read anything about the Holocaust, it's a very emotional, it's a dark subject. Um, but Ellie, I don't know if I've heard it pronounced Weasel. I've heard it pronounced Wiesel. I don't know which it is. Uh, but if you've never read one of his little short books, especially the one called Night, you, you ought to. You ought to go by Barnes and Noble, or I'm sure Sister Sister Regina's got those at Red House because those are books that they read at school. And <clears throat> I've read that book. I've read the Diary of Anne Frank. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with a man by the name of Simon Wiesenthal. He's considered one of the Nazi hunters. He's written books about uh, chasing down some of the people that were involved in the Holocaust. A lot of them landed in Argentina, Brazil after World War II, and he made it his life's goal to try to go after uh, some of those people. And uh, then a book years ago, uh, whenever I, Teresa and I first got married, every, usually every Monday night we would go to the library and um, never forget picking up a book written by a lady by the name of Sarah Ziskind, and it's out of print now, uh, but it was called The Stolen Years, and it tells a story about her uh, going through the Holocaust and her family having to endure that. I think she was the only survivor. And uh, this morning there at the lesson opening up just kind of prompted my mind uh, that, that you ought to be very thankful for, for the blessings that the Lord has, has brought in to, to your life. And um, so again, I, I believe we ought to read. I believe that readers are leaders. And um, so those are just some, some good books. There's a lot of bad books out there, but uh, there's also a lot of good books that can touch your mind, touch your spirit. And uh, I believe you ought to invest your mind. Amen. Just going to read one verse of Scripture, uh, which is not normal for me, but it's one verse. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. The Bible says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. 
And I'm going to preach to you on this thought about the man from nowhere. Let's ask the Lord to touch our hearts here this morning. Lord, I am thankful, Lord, for your goodness. I ask you, Lord, today, God, that you would minister, Lord, to our hearts. I pray, God, let your word encourage, let it inspire, Lord. And I pray, God, most of all, I pray, God, that there would be the conviction, Lord, of your spirit. And that, Jesus, that you would help us, Lord, to give rise to, Lord, personal revival, personal awakening. I pray, God, again for revival, Lord, for our church collectively. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. We, um, I think probably all of us have witnessed at times where that you have noticed somebody that has appeared just almost suddenly on the scenes and they had the ability to just change the course and sometimes the direction of history and and um, I, I think probably Benjamin Franklin's parents uh, even though that they couldn't afford schooling for him so he had to drop out of school at the age of 10, uh, there was something about it. The desire in his heart caused him to give himself to reading and and uh, self-improvement, if you want to call it that, uh, where that, that he had his part in American history. Sports figures are full. Sports world is, is full of athletes that, that just almost just appeared just suddenly in whatever it was that they were involved in, and there was a great impact that they had uh, on their world. You you know the story, for better or for worse, Bill Gates, about how that uh, he and both Steve Jobs, college dropouts, and yet they have so changed uh, our world with their invention, some for the better, obviously some uh, for the worse, but all of those people just appeared suddenly on the scenes. And uh, that is the way that it was with Elijah. Elijah was the man that uh, he was known as a, as a prophet of God. And I will throw this in. I have uh, gone back and I have been watching some of the sermons from Because of the Times back years ago. And I watched one this past week that Brother Tenney preached back in 1998, and it was a sermon called All Direction from is from the Altar. Uh, but he did have this to say, and it kind of stuck with me. He said that uh, the apostolic movement has uh, both in-house prophets and out-house prophets. And uh, he said the in-house prophets are prophets that know how to flow with the Spirit and how to encourage a move of the Spirit, and, and I think that perhaps we need those people in our day, but he said there's also outhouse prophets, and they're always stirring up a stink. And uh, for what that's worth, Elijah was an in-house prophet. 
And the Bible tells us that that literally out of nowhere, and and I, I want you to know this here today, that God does sometimes his greatest works in places of, of, of obscurity and isolation, where that that he has people that are hidden away, and then while he works with them, then they burst on to the scene and and you ask why sometimes is the isolation needed? Because God uses moments like that to grow courage in our hearts. It, it, it can be a, a challenge at times whenever uh, you begin to think and to realize that, that courage is needed. And yet, if you're going to have courage in your life, it's not going to be because you run with the crowd and that you're always somehow wanting to know what uh, God's com- work is by committee. There, there are, are things that can only come to us whenever we have been separated from the noise of our surroundings. Paul mentions that in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. He says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. John mentioned it in Revelation 18 and uh, there in verse 4, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins and that ye receive not of her plagues. Come out of her, my people. And and I uh, know that that if I'm going to have a spiritual walk with the Lord, it is going to be because there are times where I have moved away from the pull uh, of this world, separation from the noise of, of the rebellious. You find that in number 16. Uh, forsake the foolish, Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 6. Flee from Babylon, Jeremiah 51 and 6. Save yourselves from this untoward generation, Acts chapter 2 and verse 40. Separate yourself from the filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. And yet far too many in our world today do not believe in the power of separation. But if there is a picture of a separated prophet, it's going to be that man uh, that we look at as, as Elijah. And I uh, my mind for the last several months has gone back to some of the old books that I have in my library that deals with revival. You can hardly read any of those books and yet you don't come across the mention of this man whose name is uh, Elijah. The times of Elijah are marked by all sorts of, of sin and folly. You start looking and there is political upheaval among the kings of Israel. There are assassinations that are taking place there uh, in the palace. There are children that are being sacrificed on the altars to Moloch and their babies on altars of fire. Our children are being killed in the uh, sterile surgical areas of, of abortion clinics and thank God that that was overturned 65 million babies you can hardly get your mind wrapped around that that's just in America and sometimes I wonder if uh, somewhere in the past since 1972 I believe it is that 
was there perhaps a cure for cancer, a cure for leukemia? Was there something that God had intended to place into our world to benefit our world? And yet, because of the, 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 the selfishness and because of the corruption of the flesh, that now we are at the place that we're at. But the Bible tells us that whenever you look at some of the times that, that Elijah was in, 1 Kings chapter 13 and, and verse 33, speaking of Jeroboam, it says that, but he made again the lowest of the people priest of the high places. Think about that. You see that phrase there right in the middle of that verse? He says that he made again the lowest of the people priest of the high places. And I look at our times today and look at what is trying to shape the mindset of America and it's almost like that, that, the, uh, that Hollywood entertainment, whatever you want to call it, even the political chambers, that, that it's almost like the lowest of people in their, their ignorant mindset, their godless mindset, where that, that Paul would say that they're God-haters, that they want to tell us how to live our lives. That is where Elijah was whenever he stepped on the scene there. The land was, was full of high places and the pagan gods and, and idols had infiltrated the land there. And, and it was almost like the, the Jehovah that, uh, that had, they had, had pushed him literally out. And yet our day is very similar to that. And yet I'm not so far away from the fact to believe that there can be a man, there can be a saint, be that man or woman, be they saint or minister, that they can step onto the scene and begin to usher in things that, that God would revive and, and He would awaken things. And, and even uh, in, in churches, and here's what I have noticed whenever I've read about some of the, the revivals of the past, that they almost appeared unexpectedly. Yes, there were people that were praying for, for revival. There were people that were praying that God would move but, but it was almost just like on a maybe as we would call it a normal Sunday morning or a normal Wednesday night that the Spirit of God just fell and engulfed that place. And I long for that. I long for the presence of God to be so infiltrated in my life that every waking moment that my mind is invested in, Lord, what would you have me to do and what would you have me to be? And so those wicked kings, they, they hated those prophets and they made it their business to, to make their lives miserable. In fact, you fast forward to the New Testament and you remember what Jesus had to say to Pharisees and Sadducees. He said, I'm going to tell you something, that, that your fathers, they were the ones that killed the prophets there and those kings of Israel were, were murderous beasts who were nothing more than assassins that they did everything they could to gain the throne there. That kind of sounds like today. And yet look there in 1 Kings chapter 16. I want to point out to you in verse 30. 1 Kings 16 and 30, just the previous chapter. There look at at what we see there. Look at verse 30. And, and Ahab the son of Omri 
did evil in the sight of the Lord. Look to verse 31. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of, of Jeroboam. It, it was something like that. He, he didn't even have a twinge of conscience. It was just a light thing for him to walk there. And then the Bible tells us that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. Look to verse 33. The Bible tells us what Ahab's epitaph was. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. And yet, if you were to ask what king was the most successful, if we want to call it that, that expanded territories, added to treasuries, had the strongest military, I think probably most people would, would they would want to think David, that he was that king, or perhaps even Saul whenever he started off. But the most successful financial king there, uh, perhaps maybe besides Solomon, was Ahab. And, and so it was that it almost looked like that God was blessing that place. And yet their hearts were so far from God. Now, I, I'm... I'm going to say, I pray for you that the Lord would bless you and the Lord would, would touch you and help you. And uh, this morning, I was, uh, I was upstairs and uh, I made kind of a little, I don't know if it's funny. It was funny to me, but anyways, they were talking about, well, such and so works on, on fifth orthopedics at such and so hospital. And, uh, that come across while I was upstairs, and so I texted back to him that said, I work on the second floor of theology here at the Pentecostals of Dothan. <laughs> and so y'all remember that, okay? I, I work on the second floor of theology, Sister Kayla. Uh, so y'all keep that in mind. But, but I did. I looked out the window this morning, and I got to looking across the parking lot. There's some nice vehicles sitting out there. And uh, I know you worked hard, and I pray you continue to work hard, but don't think for a moment that I thought, you know what, some of my praying is helping people to be blessed, and, and yet be careful that whenever you are in that state of blessing that you don't get it in the part to say that the physical blessings are what uh, really is what God is getting at to a, a spiritual matter. But look back to me with me to... 1 Kings 17, the Bible says there, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. There, there are some things that I want to pull out of this single verse here. And the first thing that I want to point out to you is this, is that God is alive. From, from all appearances, it would look like as if, if, if maybe Baal had the upper hand, that, that Baal was a place where that everybody was worshiping Baal. And, and how many times have we looked around and, and we thought that? We have, have looked at it and we thought that maybe there's an ease easier way to worship. Maybe there's an easier way that will appeal to my flesh. Maybe uh, there is a, 
uh, a way where that we can mix the sensual and the fleshly together and that we can have a spiritual outcome uh, to that. And, and there was great stability again that was there in uh, Ahab's rule. It lasted for 22 years and politically and economically and militarily. That is scary to wrap your mind around. And yet everything about Jehovah was mocked and ridiculed and laughed at. In fact, you find later on that there's a prophet by the name of Obadiah, and I've heard other preachers mock Obadiah because Obadiah hid some preachers in a cave somewhere, and I... I've heard people laugh about that, and and yet even whenever we find uh, Elijah with his great confrontation there with uh, with 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 uh, the prophets of Baal there on on Mount Carmel, the Bible. Uh, tells us that immediately after that he's fleeing and he's running away and he feels like, Lord, I'm the only one that's here. And the Lord said, oh, oh, no, 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 you're not, Elijah. I've still got thousands that they have not bent their knee to Baal, nor have they, they kissed Baal. And I want to encourage you here today that there may be times where you feel like that you're the only one that prays differently, that worships differently, that dresses differently, that that doesn't go to these areas that maybe spend too much time at the church and the, and the Lord would or people would ridicule you and, and mock you about that and you start thinking oh my Lord it's just me that's here trust me there are thousands perhaps even millions across this globe today that they're still serving the Lord and there's going to come a day that the Lord is going to open your eyes up and help you to see that and so God is alive. And, and yet, understand this, delay in judgment always plays out. People uh, that are involved in sinful attractions have minds that are so twisted and they think, I'm getting away with this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be okay. And Paul talks about it in Romans 1. He said, their foolish heart was darkened. And in his Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil that put darkness for light and light for darkness that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight and 1 Kings 16 paints up an excellent backdrop but notice something the Bible says there in 1 Kings chapter 17 In verse 1, look at that first word there, and. It's a powerful word. Because here's the deal, God had a prophet. God had a prophet. He had a man of God. And uh, God was alive. He, He was aware of the sin that was there. He was aware of every bit of that that was taking place there in uh, that that country, if you want to call it that. And, And while Elijah was distressed about it, God wasn't. God was alive. And yet, if God's alive, here's the second thing I want to bring out, and that's this, that God has a man. I'd also I I just maybe add this that God has a church. God has saintly people. 
because the Bible says there Elijah the Tishbite who was of the inhabitants of Gilead. God sent a prophet there and later on the interaction with, with Ahab would be in such a manner Look in 1 Kings chapter 18. Just turn over a page and look there in verse 17. I love this verse. The Bible says there, And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? You Are you the one that's troubling Israel? And Elijah wants to just like, What are you talking about? You, you, I won't go there. Uh, <coughs> here's what I do know is that the office of the prophetic opens up floodgates of spiritual warfare that moves against those people that are trying to do what's right because there was one man and all of a sudden the whole entire direction of Jezebel and Ahab turned literally against them. It's a grace of God that reaches for nations and for churches and for individuals. But know this, that reaching grace is always accompanied by one voice or two voices or a small handful of voices that is going to condemn sin. And so i got a question. What kind of sinful practices were you involved in this week? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you handle. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. And, and you, you know you ought to change that. Oh, big eyes, be careful what you see. Big hands, big feet, be careful where you walk. Be careful what you handle. And so the question is this, is that how many people that are here today have trafficked in sinful areas that God would not be pleased with? And you forget that God was indeed watching God was in the, oh, so, oh I, I was by myself. I was, nobody was there. No, no, the, the Lord was there. And here's what the Lord needs. The Lord needs a man to come along and, 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 and do that. And yet I would say here today, if you're going to be that man, that person, you have to uh, make sure that you're going to be scorned and mocked and ridiculed and talked about and laughed at and so on and so forth, that comes with the territory. But if you'll stay faithful and do the will and the purpose of God, the outcome of that is going to help you to not only save yourself, but as Paul told Timothy, you're, you're going to save those that hear you. And so it is that Elijah, the principle, as the Lord God liveth, before whom I stand. That speaks of consecration. That's an old word. We heard it a lot in the 70s and, and in the 80s and maybe some in the 90s, but that word has almost disappeared from my vocabulary now is because people, they want the easy way. Why? Well, you know, I, I don't want to worry about works. That, that's legalism. Really. Really. 
then here, then here, here's a question that I would ask you. Why in the world, and you just take just this one scripture, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14, where he talks about pursuing holiness and then cross-reference that verse and start moving through the scriptures about where that there is something about all of God's people that were reaching for things. And don't, so, so don't fall into that nonsense crowd that says, oh, you, you got to be careful that you're not going to let yourself get involved in works. I'm just going to tell you this. If that's your whole understanding and desire of your relationship with God, you're going to be sorely disappointed when you get to the Bema seat because we all are going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And when I get there, Oh, I pray that there's been pursuits in my soul and in my spirit that because I was hungry for God, it pursued me to do things and to be involved. And so the third thing I would point out from this verse is God and His man have power. God's alive. God has a man and then the third thing is that God and his prophet, they have power. You say, how do you know that? Because that last phrase there, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. How long did that last? The Bible tells us three and a half years. Luke chapter 4 and verse 25, James chapter 5 and verse 17. And by the time that they had come to the end of it, the dust there, it literally was bone dry. And yet, God and his man had power. And uh, droughts of rain can be troubling in our lives. And sometimes we're in the midst, and don't forget that the prophet, he was in the middle of that drought as well. And yet the drought was intended to do some things to Israel to encourage them to repent, to expose Baal, to exalt Jehovah. And it's hard to draw men to repentance whenever you're living under Ahab's rule that's been so prosperous. Be careful. Be careful, apostolic church, that you don't fall into the Laodicean trap. Oh, I'm in I'm rich and increased with goods. I have need of nothing. The Lord says, Oh, but I look at you different. I, I see you and you're wretched, you're blind, you're miserable. But you see yourself as rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Don't fall into that Laodicean trap. And so while Elijah was being criticized for his message of repentance, the deeper truth was that God was behind every bit of it. And God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you, Elijah, and I'm going to use you to bring revival to this area. Now, I'm not going to stand here and just tell you that you're, you're looking at the guy but oh, how I want to be that man. You, you, you look at yourself and you think, 
oh, I, I can't be that person, but I just have a belief in this church that God is working and that there are things that you cannot see right now that they are taking place. And we cannot get weary in our well-doing. We cannot get weary in our praying. We can't get weary in desiring and hungering for God. If our community ever needed a church, it's now. It's now. I want us to stand this morning. I thank the Lord for His goodness to me. I thank the Lord for His stirring. I pray the Lord is stirring you as well. I want to pray for you. Lord, I'm thankful, Jesus, always for your word. I'm thankful, Lord, for God's stirrings of revival and spiritual awakening. And yet, Lord, I, I look and so many times feel, Lord, so inferior, so ill-equipped. Times, Lord, where we feel that, that our prayers are insignificant. But, Lord, but every bit of that is nothing more than a lie of the devil. Lord, I literally this morning, I pray against that spirit. I pray, God, against those spiritual and mental hindrances. That, Lord, that they would somehow, God, try to oppose your work in our lives. I ask you, Lord, today, fill our lives, fill our minds, Lord, with light. I pray, Lord, that somehow, that God, that there's such a feeling of, Lord, your spirit, Lord, the Holy Ghost, that Jesus, that you draw us to a place where that, Lord, that wherever we're at, wherever our jobs take us, wherever we're students at, wherever, Lord, our relationships are at, that, God, that there's coming a day that, Lord, that your Spirit's going to be poured out. You're going to help us, Lord, to reach and to touch that lives, Lord, would be changed. I ask you, Lord, today, help every one of us, Jesus, that while you're working on us to be faithful and that, Lord, that we would do your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to step out from where you're at and just step into this altar and pray, I'm going to give you that opportunity here this morning. And if you want to talk to the Lord, I'm going to tell you what the Lord hears us whenever we talk to